Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Before we dismiss the children for prayer, let's just have a moment of quiet prayer and reflection and give God's thanks that we can sing that today that is well with our souls. Father, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping together. The words of that song, Lord, it means so much that is well with our soul today. Of all the turmoil in our world and the things that uh, concerns and cares that we bring into this uh, place of worship, and yet we know that we can rest assured that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father, that we can share today. We ask your blessing on our children as they continue to worship and learn together. We thank you for the privilege of having them with us, of their ministry to us. And so bless them now and bless us as we share in this communion service today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Children, you're dismissed. Children's Church and Children's Choir, thank you so much for your sharing with us today. This morning we um, are going to share in our communion service together. And just want to remind you that uh, this is for the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not have to be a member of our church, a regular tender of our church. If you know Christ as Savior, we invite you to share in this service uh, because it is a memorial, as we are told by the Apostle Paul, that we do this in remembrance of the Lord. We are told in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul says, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's coming, the Lord's death, until he returns. And it's specifically a focus on the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we consider this, of course, we know that the death of our Lord, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension are all part of that story of his passion, of his sacrifice, and of the hope of eternal life and the resurrection. As we begin today, we're going to have just a short meditation on the bread, and then we're going to share it together. And we'll have a short meditation on the cup as we share that together as well. I want to ask you a question from what you know of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who was the first person to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ after his death on the cross? Who was the first person that encountered him after his death on the cross? If you think back to the gospels, it presents it in different ways, and we get different looks at it and different people. And I'd like you just to think about that for a moment. But I'd like to ask you if you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, Luke's account of what we call the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ when he came to Jerusalem to die on the cross for our sins. And we um, we read in this we read in it, we jump in the middle of the account here of our Lord Jesus Christ and his uh, crucifixion. In verse 26, they led him away, and they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him, and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him as he was going to the place of crucifixion. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves, for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that have never borne, the breasts that have never nursed. 
Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, to the hills cover us. For if men do these things, when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? And we get this series of statements of our Lord Jesus Christ on the way to the cross. And then as he is on the cross of Calvary, we have these statements from our Lord Jesus Christ. And here he is anticipating uh, the judgment. And these, this generation would, would indeed experience this when the Romans came and crushed Jerusalem uh, during the revolt, uh, during the later 60s, uh, within a generation after the Lord said this, they would experience this uh, firsthand. But it says in verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And I want us to think about this this morning as we come to the memorial time of the, of the cross of Calvary and our Lord's death on the cross. Two other men. We have one cross uh, on the, before, behind me. Um, but there were three crosses. There were three of them that were crucified together. And all it tells us about these other two men is that they were criminals. We don't know what they did. Some of the translations will use the word robbers. It's really the Greek word for a criminal. We don't know what, what their crime was. We, we get maybe a little hint when earlier, when, when Pilate wanted to follow the custom of on Passover, there was a time where they were allowed one prisoner to be released and a, a clemency that could be granted. And he wanted to release Jesus. You know, we get the, certainly the impression that Pilate didn't want to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't want this trouble. He didn't want any kind of revolt. And he says, I found no, no reason for this. We back up in the verse 23 of the same chapter, of chapter 23, but with loud shouts they insistently demanded he, he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. And, and, as, as, and we find out in this, in this passage that, that they, they, verse 20, 24, so Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. And we know, of course, this is Barabbas. And they specifically asked for Barabbas, and it says he was a murderer and had led an insurrection. So he was a criminal who was designated to die on the cross at Calvary uh, with these other two. But instead, they asked for Jesus. So were these other two in the same boat? This crucifixion was reserved for the worst of crimes. And insurrection and murder, these were serious criminals that were that were on the cross with the Lord Jesus Christ. These were not incidental. I don't think that they were just robbers. I think it was more than that because Barabbas had murdered, killed innocent people himself and was, because of that, going to be crucified. And he was let go. So in verse 32, we have this scene. Two other men, both criminals, and they were let out, they were let out with Jesus to be executed. They came to the place called the skull. There they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And we begin these series of statements, the seven last words of Jesus from the cross are not all in one gospel, but we find here in Luke that these criminals are the ones closest to him who could hear him cry out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And he divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. 
They mocked him. They blasphemed. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Messiah, the Christ of God, the Mashiach, the chosen one, if he is who he says he is, let him save himself. And they came and they mocked him and they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And if it were not enough to have the soldiers and other people sneering and mocking him and blaspheming, one of the criminals hanging on the cross next to him, maybe a murderer himself who deserved this, sneered at him and blasphemed him. And the word where it says here, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. It's, it implies a blasphemy. They hurled him. It wasn't just one statement. He mocked him from the cross. He mocked him. And he insulted him and hurled these statements at him and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. It wasn't a plea for mercy. It was an insult. It was blasphemy. Save yourself and save us too if you really are who you say you are. But the other criminal rebuked him. And as he rebuked his fellow criminal, maybe they were, maybe they were in cohorts, whatever they did together and were arrested together. And he says to him, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our disease, our deeds deserve. We are getting, he acknowledged, whatever they did, they deserve to die this horrible death. And I don't need to describe it to you. Again, we, you know, we do this on Good Friday. There was no more horrible, torturous way to die than crucifixion. And he says, we deserve this. Whatever, whatever they did, he said, we, we did, it was bad enough. It was gruesome enough. We deserve to die. We are getting punished justly. It's justice. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. As we share the bread together, that represents the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to focus on the words of this criminal. And, 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 and we could say from the original, it says, be graciously mindful of me on that day. He says, on the day when you come into your kingdom, this, this man obviously was Jewish, both of them. They expected the coming Messianic kingdom. And somehow, I don't know, I don't know where, I don't know where he encountered Jesus. I don't know if it was all just from what had happened in the proceedings on the cross, but somehow he connected that Jesus Christ claimed to be the Messiah and he believed he really was. He's, he's, he's on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. I mean, think of the faith of this man. He's hanging on the cross, tortured next to a person who has been tortured like him, only whipped and beaten and disfigured, who claims to be the coming Savior and Messiah, military conqueror for Israel. 
And somehow, he has faith that this really is who he, he really is who he says he is. That, that, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, just remember me. Wow. He, he doesn't confess his sins. He doesn't acknowledge. He, he just, he just, he's, we, I'm getting what I deserve. Lord, I, I, just when you come into your kingdom, be gracious and remember me. Shut up, other criminal. How dare you do this? We are getting what we deserve. This man is innocent. I think he's the Messiah. And he's coming again in a kingdom. Who else believed that? Who else really believed that Jesus really was going to come again as the king of Israel when they saw him hanging on the cross in this horrible, hideous situation? Remember me. And the Lord says, you will be with me in paradise. Not one day, but today. You know, it's interesting to me. Because, you know, so often we talk about uh, what, what does it take to be saved? What does it require for a person to do? Like the, like the Philippian jailer, Paul. What must I do to be saved? And Paul's response was simply what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. It's kind of interesting how in our context, in our, our situation, in our Christian language and so forth, we've sort of put together a formula because it, it does seem to, to work. It does seem to be the normal process. We tell people they must acknowledge their need for salvation. They must accept that Jesus Christ is who he is that he claimed to be, that he died on the cross, paid for their sins, and they must receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And, and, and that's true, isn't it? We've inserted some language that you don't necessarily find in the Bible that never says receive Jesus as your personal Savior. But the implication is that just because you're connected with someone else who believes, you know, my grandfather was a pastor, my parents took me to church, I was baptized in such and such church. I took communion. The idea is, no, you have to make a choice yourself. And I get that, right? We get that. But it's just interesting to me that his, what did he say? He didn't even say, I believe in you. He just, he just indicated. He knew he deserved what he was getting. And he somehow connected it I don't. I must. I wonder if the Holy Spirit must have prompted him. What would prompt him to say, "You're the Messiah"? I believe it. And when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And that simple expression of faith, and the Lord says, "Today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be saved." And those two men watched him die. He died before they did. We know that because later on they send the Roman soldiers to break their legs to hasten their death because it was a, a special Sabbath and Jesus was already dead. But they had to break those two men's legs to hasten their death so they could no longer push up to get a breath and they died. These two men watched him die before them. Lord, remember me. And I just 
it just struck me. I just want to remind you today that as we come and share the bread that represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was so beaten and bruised and humiliated on that cross of Calvary, you know, it just takes a simple expression of faith to receive God's grace. This is before the message has gone out to the Gentile world. This is before the resurrection. This man doesn't know the entire story we know. He's in a context where he's expecting the Messiah to come and to rule as the Old Testament promised. But still we see this throughout Scripture. It's a continuity. It runs throughout Scripture. And it's true today. What must I do to be saved? You notice the man said, the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. And I just want to remind you, friends, today as we come and receive the, the bread together, a simple utterance. You know, as I look out over this congregation today, it might surprise you, some of the salvation stories. There are individuals here who were so young when they accepted Christ as Savior, they would not be able to tell you the, doubt, the day and time they accepted Christ. There are other children, there are others who, like me, in third grade, I can remember the date and the time at Camp Gilead, sitting in chapel, Wynn Johnson giving a flannel graph story where I accepted Christ as my Savior. There are people here as adults. Kyle Hur gave his testimony to our men's breakfast the other day, last, last month. When, that, that moment when he accepted Christ and his life changed. And there are others here today who I know are, are believers in Jesus Christ. They affirm it and their life represents it. As adults, God brought them through a process. You say, wait a minute, is this heresy? No. They would not be able to tell you maybe a specific moment where it's just like that moment everything changed. But somewhere in that process, they expressed their faith in God and Christ as their Savior and their lives have been changed. Our stories are all different. Are you thankful for that? Yes, you, we do need to acknowledge our need. We do need to acknowledge our sin. We do need to re, Jesus be our personal Savior. But let's, let's not ever underestimate the grace of God. A simple statement. Lord, remember me. A simple statement of faith. Remember me. And for all time, that becomes a reminder to us. I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. You won't have to hear it too much longer. But uh, Pastor Lloyd Peterson, our founding pastor, my pastor, I remember sitting right over there by that right spot there where Bob Janelle is sitting right there. And I remember him preaching from his pulpit and talking about his, came across his book by Bishop Fulton Sheen, Catholic bishop in New York, God Love You. And he started correspondence with him because he found out that, that, that this bishop was, was teaching the grace of God. And I always remember him saying this, that one of the things that Bishop Fulton Sheen said, never underestimate what God can do in the closing seconds of a person's life. Do you believe that? People hear the gospel, and we, and we debate and talk today about lordship salvation and this and that and everything. I mean, here is a case. I mean, this, this man didn't have time to, to, to do anything about his sins. He didn't have time to make up for him. He didn't have time to do anything. It's on that split second, just before Jesus died. Remember me. 
And the Lord says, yes, I remember you. And you will be with me today in paradise. He was saved. I don't know what, what else you call it. What else can you call it? Friends, let's give God thanks today for the simple message of the grace of God. It is something you do not deserve. And God will give freely. He wants to give. It is God's desire that nobody would be lost. He will give it freely. It doesn't have to be the way you did it. But you know when it's genuine. The grace of God has appeared to us. God loves us. And Jesus died for us. And we have a very simple message. Accept Christ's payment for your sins. Let's share in the bread together. Let me ask our elders to come forward. We have a, if you're visiting with us, we, have a, we just have a way we do this. It's, it's something that's meaningful for us. Don't have a lot of liturgy. But we ask our elders who are the shepherds of this flock, along with us as pastors, to, who serve you, who love you, um, to serve you the bread today on behalf uh, of the church uh, that we can share this together as a family of God. So I'm going to ask that you would just hold your little piece of bread. It's just a reminder of what was shared on the last Passover with the Lord and his disciples. And we'll eat it together after we have a moment to meditate and to give God thanks. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, as he took the loaf, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said to them, eat this in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread, you do remember the Lord's death until he comes. Let us eat the bread as a reminder today of our Lord's death on the cross for us. Father, we thank you. Yes, we thank you for your broken body, which was given for us, that we may stand in your grace today. In Christ's name, amen. Can you sit down? You can sit down for a second. Before we receive the cup together, I did want to think about one other thing in this passage. What the Lord promised this criminal, maybe a murderer, on the cross who deserved the crucifixion, the Lord says, I, tr- I truly tell you. I mean, it doesn't just say, by the way. It means, listen, I want to affirm this. This is true. And you can count on this. This day, you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. Isn't that a good word? What is it? You know what it is? It's, it's actually a loan word from the Persian. It's a Persian word. And it was borrowed in the Bible world because in the Persian world, this word for paradise is a garden, a refuge, 
a, an area that is protected by, by, the, by the rulers, you know, the Persian gardens, the Babylonian gardens. And think of, think of the most beautiful garden that you've ever been in. And the, maybe the peace and the quiet and the joy of just sharing in a protected uh, reserve, maybe a game reserve you, you visited, a garden. So it's no wonder that in the Greek, when the Jews translated the Hebrew into the Greek for their Bible to use, which was the common everyday Bible in the New Testament times, it was Paul's working Bible. They used that word paradise over 46 times. And especially, guess where? Genesis 2 and 3. They use it for the Garden of Eden, paradise. We, we, know, we know a lot less, we know more, we don't know much about it. <laughs> what, is paradise? what is paradise? Wouldn't you like to know? We're only told what we're told. We're not told anymore. Where, where was Jesus going to take him? He's, I'm telling you the truth. The guy didn't even ask for that. He didn't say, Lord, can I go to heaven with you? He just said, when you, when you come back in your kingdom, whatever that is, just remember me. Because as a Jew, he believed in a, a place for the dead, for eternal souls, until the day of resurrection. The rabbis taught this. The rabbis taught about paradise quite a bit. And that it was a place where the righteous would go until the day of the Messianic kingdom, it would be unveiled. It would be brought back. It was secretly hidden away. And it's a place, but it was a place where the righteous souls would go. We don't, you know, we can't possibly comprehend, but it was a place where they would go until the kingdom was coming. And, and he's saying, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He didn't say, take me to paradise. He didn't say, take me to heaven. He probably expected to go to a worse place of judgment where the unright, like the, like the story of, of, of Lazarus, you know, the other Lazarus in the parable of, of the rich man and Lazarus, where there's a gulf between them. He probably expected to go there, but he's asking the Lord, when you come back, please remember me. I want to, I hope I can be resurrected in your kingdom. And, God, and that's not what the Lord promised him. He says, no, no, no. Today you will be with me in paradise. And the only other hint we have about paradise in the New Testament, we have, we have two other places. Second Corinthians, because this translate, this goes over into the, the age of the church, the body of Christ. Paul says, I know a man. I don't know if it was in the body or out of the body. I don't know if it was a vision or if it actually happened. I think Paul's speaking of himself. Fourteen years ago was caught up to the third heaven. The Jews believed in seven heavens. He said, I, he was caught up to the third heaven. That's, I can't tell you, you know, we aren't told anymore. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. This is during Paul's life. I think he's talking about himself. He was caught up to paradise. It's the word, it's, it's this beautiful place. It's this, it's this place, this garden. It's a place for the, for the righteous and in fact, he says, when I was there, I heard inexpressible things that I, I'm not even permitted to tell you. He didn't say what he saw. He just says, I heard things. I'm not even allowed to tell you what I heard. It was so wonderful. He had this experience. He was caught up to paradise. And then in Revelation, for those who endure in Revelation chapter 2, they will be given the right to paradise. So friends, this, this word paradise is, is a word that 
that is used to, to express. We have to just take what we're told. I, I, there's no sense speculating any more than that. But I guess the, the words that, that, that would describe it is, it's good. It's conscience. You're conscious. And I think the rabbis were right until the resurrection. And we are in God's care. And I just want us, as we take the, receive the cup together, I want to remind you that, that each time we, we come on Sunday, we meet the first day of the week, Resurrection Day. It's just good to be reminded. We really, 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 really believe in eternal life and in heaven. And whatever, I, boy, I would love to know all my friends and loved ones, and some of you have experienced this even recently, the loss of a loved person that, you know, you dearly wish God didn't call home, but he did. We would love to know what it's like. But I just want to say two things. It's good. It's good. And secondly, we will be together again. We will be together again. We really, really believe in the resurrection. And whatever this means, and from that statement on the cross of Calvary, whatever that meant, whatever that... Jesus said, friend, today you will be with me in paradise. Evidently, that's where Jesus went until his body was resurrected from the grave. He becomes the first fruit of all who fall asleep. It's good. It's real. And it's our hope. And I think we should be reminded of that. We're going to share in the cup now as a reminder that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed to provide us this hope of eternal life. Eternal life is not something that begins, ends, and starts over again. Friends, it is eternal life right now. And we'll have to leave it there. But we have a hope in eternal life and the resurrection because of our Savior Jesus Christ. So we'll share the cup together. If you would just hold it, and as you hold it, just meditate on what it represents, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This reminder we share today, it is very important. Let me just read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Do you believe today that Christ has been raised from the day, dead? If so, say amen. amen. Do you believe in the resurrection of those who have expressed their simple faith and received God's grace?
and you believe they are in God's care today. Isn't that great? I asked you when we started, of all the people that Jesus encountered in the gospel stories, who was the first one to encounter him after the cross of Calvary? Our minds go to Easter morning, which we'll celebrate. But dare I say, the first one to encounter him after the cross was the thief on the cross. This day, you will be with me in paradise. I'm telling you the truth. He watched Jesus died. And then he died. And his next conscious thought was in paradise with the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he simply said, remember, remember me. Remember him. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us drink together. Father, it's our privilege to do this in remembrance of you. And Father, may we never, ever give up on anyone. And may we never dare discount what your grace can do in a person's life through a simple expression of faith in the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of our precious Lord, Jesus Christ. We've gathered in his name today, and we give you the glory. And all God's people can say together, Amen. 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 Thank you so much. If you tarry, what was the line, Gary? If you tarry till you're better, better, you will not come at all. The thief on the cross didn't have time to change his life. I wonder about the other thief. He saw the same thing. He went through the hours of darkness. He felt the earthquake. You know, if at the end he did the same thing, he would be in paradise too. We don't know. But I know this. Your story doesn't have to be my story. Your story is the grace of God. And if you're here today and you've never just expressed that simple faith, say yes to God. I don't know how else to say it. Say yes to God. I believe Jesus Christ died for me and I believe he paid for my sins and I received Christ's payment for my sins. I'm putting it in my language. Say yes to God. Say yes to God. And also today, some of you are here today. I know we've had conversations and there's still some fresh hurt because God called somebody home to be with him. I just want to remind you of the great news. They're in God's hands. They're in God's hands. This day you will be with me and we will be together again because we believe in the resurrection. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news, the good news of the grace of God that has appeared to all. And we pray the Holy Spirit would work in lives this week and maybe someone here today. May we not get in the way 
by demanding that everything look like us. But may we allow your Holy Spirit to work, to move, to draw people to Jesus Christ as they are, poor and needy sinners. Because boy, we know that story so well. Bless us, bless our families, bless our children as we leave this place. May we leave rejoicing in the hope of the resurrection and salvation through our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. We leave with worshiping the God of the universe and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.